0: The Christmas season is unlike any other in recent memory. Rather than joining together and raising voices in song this year, we're being urged to isolate our families from others and celebrate from afar. In this traditional season of giving, we're seeing the needs increasing. So how does a church and a religion meet such unprecedented challenges? This Christmas weekend, we'll ask the head of Chicago's Roman Catholic Archdiocese. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Cardinal Blaise Sufage, officially the ninth Archbishop of Chicago, a post he's held since 2014 when he was appointed and installed. He became a cardinal in 2016. Before all of that, he led Catholics in Rapid City, South Dakota, and Spokane, Washington, And even without COVID-19, 2020 would have been a challenging year in Chicago. The church has faced financial challenges, and we live in a time when just this month the Cardinal could ordain three new auxiliary bishops and then have to mourn the death of a Mount Carmel High School sophomore killed by gunfire on the South Side. The Cardinal leads the faithful through the highs and the lows. Cardinal Blaise Supich, thank you for sitting down with me virtually. We are conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing, but welcome. Thank you. Good to be with you, Craig. Well, Cardinal, there's no way for us to think about the year that was without talking about how completely coronavirus has disrupted what we considered normal. Uh, The church and and all churches really could not have anticipated a sudden need to keep people home. Um, How quickly and how well did the archdiocese uh, have to react?
1: Well, what we did on uh, March thirteenth is I made a decision to close all of our parishes and schools, which was a bit ahead of the st- state mandate for closing down uh, and as well as the city. We saw some trend lines that were disturbing. And I put together a task force to help us identify uh, what, the, what the priorities had to be as we used our resources in a prudent way.
0: For a lot of uh, the people who may not know, I mean, it's not just religious services, that had to shut down uh, at the church headquarters and for that matter, all the churches across the parish. This is, this is no small endeavor. It
1: wasn't, uh, it wasn't an easy decision to make, but it was one that we look back on and find that it was prudent. Uh, Yes. Closing all of our parishes and all of our schools, uh, over 200 schools and uh, the parishes uh, uh, numbering almost 300 across the two counties of Lake and Cook. Uh, And and also uh, talking to our other agencies as well about what they would do to keep people safe. Uh, But we had a great team put together, and they cooperated well with state and local uh, public health officials.
0: Now, you know, in times of crisis, people really want to embrace their faith. Uh, And and some churches uh, resisted the stay-at-home orders as infringing on religious freedoms. The archdiocese was not among them. How was that decision discussed and made?
1: Well, we had to look at the science. We were clear, it was clear to us as we uh, used our own uh, advisors in the archdiocese, but also public health officials, that we had uh, an unprecedented crisis with regard to infection rates going up. And we wanted to make sure that uh, we kept our people safe. Uh, we did have, uh, as I said, uh, priorities identified. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we uh, could uh, shift to online ministry, which we did right away, uh, but also make sure that we met the needs of everyday people who were going to be impacted by by the coronavirus infection and so we expanded our services uh, eventually we did put together protocols for reopening our schools and, and, and uh, churches, uh, but we also had to make sure that we stabilized our financials within the parish parishes and the archdiocese uh, all along that time we kept in contact with uh, the state officials as well as the local officials. And I think that conversation helped everybody uh, move forward in, in, in a very prudent way.
0: And let's talk a little bit about what kinds of things that the church had to do to serve in the parishioners across Chicago, because like like you, you've said, people do want to be able to hold on to Um, what the church means to them, especially when they're feeling needs.
1: Yes, well, it it was very clear to us, too, that uh, when we did uh, decide to close down things, uh, at least until we we got an all-clear signal from health care officials and uh, public health officials and so on, that people were reluctant to come to Mass and to come to church because they were afraid. Uh, And I think that's one thing that's um, underplayed in this whole uh, description of maybe back and forth that people are not wanting uh, churches to be closed and schools to be closed. Uh, we're not seeing even with sc- uh, parishes open that people are streaming back to church. Uh, they're, they're very much afraid of the contagion and they realize that even though we, we do limit the number of people and also have a very uh, important sanitizing measures in place and distancing and so on, uh, that there are still some people who feel much safer at home, and that's why we do the online ministry.
0: There are other things. Some of the uh, locations, there are more what could be considered charitable acts going on, and your, your church has had to really ramp up for that too as well. That's clear.
1: Uh, we, we have found now, I just uh, visited with uh, a number of our uh, sites, our parishes that are uh, having uh, food pantries, uh, by and large, they're all telling me that it's fivefold the number of people that are coming uh, to uh, ask for uh, assistance with food. And we've been able to keep up with it. We, we asked the Catholic people to step forward and help us. And uh, since uh, uh, early uh, June, uh, when we put together our COVID emergency fund, the Archdiocese has collected about $20 million. Uh, For relief efforts and with Catholic Charities collecting another 15 we put together a total of 35 million dollars for pandemic related services that include emergency food and housing assistance, burial for victims, uh, domestic violence prevention measures, uh, but also helping uh, with supporting uh, Colby House, uh, the Colby House where uh, inmates who are uh, uh, who are reentering society uh, need assistance as well. And then there's a portion people are giving to help uh, students who are in our Catholic schools where their parents uh, have lost their job and can't pay their tuition.
0: So it sounds like the, the, the people of the church have been uh, stepping up as well as the church itself.
1: That's right. Well, of course, the people are the church for our, from my standpoint. And and they realize that uh, the, 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 uh, the efforts that they make, uh, uh, are so very important to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing as a church. The The Holy Father, Pope Francis has reminded us that the church has to be a field hospital. Uh, and, and I think that's uh, something that we're trying to live up to.
0: Um, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the schools. Um, the diocesan schools, of course, close with everything else, like you said at the outset, but uh, most schools opened this September. Uh, But now I understand in some ways there's a bit of a pullback amid this surge.
1: Yes, what we did is um, uh, today we have about 160 schools that are open serving uh, almost 50,000 students. Uh, And we are uh, some of those kids, uh, some of those families are doing remote learning. It's their choice. So we do offer both of that. But I would say a good 80 to 85 percent are in-class schools. We've decided however, uh, because of uh, the Christmas holidays that after, after, the, uh, after the Christmas holidays, instead of coming back on uh, January 4th, uh, we're going to delay that for two weeks until the 18th uh, because we think that it's going to uh, take uh, some quarantine. If people were uh, uh, visiting with others, we wanna make sure that people are kept safe. We may, uh, we may adjust that now that the guidelines have been reduced to uh, 10 days instead of two weeks. And we're talking about that, but it's just a precaution. But we are committed to having in-class learning going forward.
0: The church services, the mass. Uh, you were saying before that people had not been streaming back into the churches. What is that doing to not just the the, the feelings in the place, but also the finances? Uh, you know, I would it would be uh, stereotypical to suggest that the collection was the, you know, the sole means of supporting a a church. But in fact, it, it, you know, I know the parish that we sometimes go to at St. Sabina, uh, they can have collections regularly for $30,000 every, uh, if you're not getting that, that has to be a real burden, uh, for the parishes. Well, it does. And, uh,
1: right now, uh, on average, uh, we are doing better than other places throughout the country. Uh, Pastors are telling me by and large, we're at about a 75% uh, rate of the usual uh, support that they're experiencing. They've cut back uh, some of their expenses as well because of uh, uh, some of the things they're doing with people not coming are uh, are, uh, in many ways uh, uh, not needed. Uh, but, but it is that it, we also helped our parishes apply for uh, the PPP funding uh, when that was uh, possible, uh, if they qualified for that. And so uh, it, we are making a big push at Christmas time now to ask people to donate to their parishes because uh, the collections uh, are the major source of revenue and it, uh, it did fall quite a bit. Now we've regained that uh we're up about 75% of the original monthly revenue levels.
0: So what are you seeing in the to the, the typical parish? I mean how, you know, how what is Sunday like? What 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 no. are the activities like? I mean what is it what does it feel like in in the parishes?
1: Well, it uh it is uh it is uh, a little bit sometimes like a ghost town uh because uh the, the social distancing, I, I should call it the physical distancing, have people spread apart where they're really not congregating as a community would ordinarily. But we still uh, are offering services. People have to uh, sign up ahead of time to uh, let us know what the, uh, if, what, if, so we don't go over the capacity levels. And uh, we have many volunteers who are uh, uh, cleaning uh, down the uh, pure, uh, sanitizing the, the area after each service. Um, And it's uh, it's one of those things where uh, we're seeing that uh, people are uh, wanting to come uh, to mass. I was at a uh, parish this last weekend where they had a parking lot mass and I said an outdoor mass for people. It was a little chilly, (laughs) but uh, uh, people do want to come, but they also want to be kept safe. They're very much afraid. And for good reason. Uh, This contagion is very difficult. Uh, I would also add that, you know, as we look at all of our parishes, namely 300 we, we've been able to track, if there's been any kind of outbreak, we've had maybe 10 cases of, of, uh, of coronavirus sp- spread within a church facility, out of the many places and the many masses that we've had. That, that's quite a remarkable figure. And uh, we're do- we wish it were zero, but we're glad that it is so low.
0: And it, it sounds like the message from the top was to do things right, and, and it's being heated? Yes, Craig. And I would say this. uh, Parishes could not open
1: until they qualified and were uh, certified by our team of professionals to go in and to make sure that they had the protocols in place. And then we did spot checks to make sure that they were abiding by those uh, by those protocols. And in a couple of cases, we found out that uh, they were not uh, as strict as we wanted. And so we temporarily told them that they had to close down until they got it right. And so it's, um, it, it was, we are being very strict about it. And I think that our success in keeping the contagion under control has, uh, has really uh, uh, been very promising. Uh, and, and I think encouraging to our
0: people to come back as, as they want to. I would think people are very hopeful that at least by the middle of next year, we'll see the vaccine take hold.
1: Yes, and and my my hope would be that uh, we would give priority to to minorities, and I I say this because, you know, in the Chicago area, Chicago land is about 30% African American, but 60% of the infections uh, uh, are uh, among the uh, African American community, and also the Hispanics are suffering as well. So, I think we have to give priority to those, part, uh, those demographics in our population that are suffering especially from this illness.
0: And certainly, Mayor Lightfoot has been uh, talking about those very things in Chicago. Uh, you're listening to News Radio 780s at issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Cardinal Blaise Supich, Archbishop of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago. Well, I want to talk about. Uh, some of the challenges, not necessarily related to COVID, uh, but I mean, even before the pandemic, the Archdiocese was dealing with issues of finance and attendance. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the Renew My Church efforts? I, I gather that was prompted by some of these pressures.
1: Well, when I came here uh, in 2014 uh, and took a year just to look at where we were on on uh, the whole business of mostly priest personnel uh but also uh, seeing that so much so much of our resources and parishes was being spent on maintaining buildings that were 100 years old and we were we were doing more maintenance than mission and so getting people together and i said let's let's look at where we want to be uh in five or ten years we we have uh, we have a huge footprint in Cook and Lake County with our parishes. Uh, And those parishes were built uh, years ago when the populations were large. Uh, But if you you have a parish that has, uh, say less than five or 600 people coming, you can't really uh, minister to them as is needed because the support's not there. But the other factor is I don't have enough pastors to go around as I move forward. I look at the retirement rate that's coming up in our uh, it's it. and, and it's clear to me that uh, I'd be foolish to think that I can just hand this off to my successor. So I decided uh, to put together a program called Renew My Church.
0: Is that s- merely a matter of consolidating parishes, uh, or, or does it have to go somewhat deeper than that? And I, and I think you know, not only from your years here, but uh, your predecessors, trying to close a parish is uh, like touching off of a powder keg.
1: Well, yes, I think you're right. Uh, It's not just about the structural reconfiguration of the footprint of of the parishes in the archdiocese, but it really is a way in which we can um, reinvigorate uh, the Catholic people to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, and to, uh, uh, to live their lives in such a way that a community is so strong that people are attracted to it. So uh, yes, we do have to do the structural uh, reconfiguration, but we also have to have the in, uh, internal uh, spiritual renewal of people. And that's why uh, an important component of all of this is first of all, getting people involved in uh, making sure that it's not a top-down decision on how we're going to go forward with the structure of the archdiocese. It's a little risky because once you get people engaged in a conversation like this, uh, some may wanna just say they like the way it is and and not have any change at all. Uh, but when in fact they look at uh, what's at stake, where we see that uh, so many young people today are are not focused on practicing the faith of their parents and grandparents, uh, where we have a decline in vocations, uh, th- That there's a spiritual renewal that's needed. And once we explain that to people and get them involved, uh, they're willing to make sacrifices uh, to to make sure that we do this right. Uh, I, I want to make sure that when the time that I retire, that I hand on to my a successor a much stronger, more vibrant, and vital church that is sustainable long-term into the future.
0: What are the kinds of things that the church can do, that the parishes can do to get that kind of excitement, the kind of dedication? Is it a matter of being more relevant to... The, uh, the community around them, or what gets them involved in the church and the things that the church is doing?
1: Well, I think, first of all, the first step is radical hospitality. We have to make sure that people understand that they're most welcome here, that they, they come into the church, and that we're, we, we uh, love the diversity, of course, of this archdiocese, and we want to make sure that we uh, we've let people know that the church is a place for them. But you're right. Also, we need to be a presence in the community for good. We need to witness to our faith uh, by reaching out to those who are disenfranchised, by standing up for those who are living at the margins. Uh, That—that's what our mission is about. Uh, I, I'm never—I'm never concerned too much about money, uh, because money follows uh, uh, mission. Uh, money follows mission. If you get the mission right, the money will come. I—I uh, I do think, however, that. Uh, we're asking our people to take seriously what it means for them to be a disciple of Jesus and, and to call others to that as well. If we don't do that, then we're just an organization. We're just another uh, 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 NGO, uh, that uh, non-governmental agency organization that's trying to do good. No, we're a faith community that believes that uh, Jesus is present in our midst, and we want to make sure that other people are invited into that life uh, that so invigorates us.
0: And, and you and the, uh, the church have been speaking out and acting on some of the problems, not just, uh, I mean, COVID-19, obviously, but also witness your statement about the, the, the really sad death of the, the, the teenager at Mount Carmel, but other issues of gun violence. The church has been very much involved in that.
1: Well, yes, it just seems to me uh, that if we're going to have a pro-life agenda, that we have to make sure that uh, we want every human life to be valued, protected, and and respected. Uh, And gun violence, every week or every day, we we hear of more shootings. Uh, There are just too many guns out there, and people are acting irresponsibly. Uh, People also need to to uh, uh, cooperate with law enforcement as they do these investigations. I saw where students uh, from Mount Carmel where Isaiah went to school, uh, uh, went door to door asking people to come forward with information. That kind of um, a civil involvement of people, civic involvement by people to, to help the police make sure that justice is done is something we need more of today.
0: I want to talk about one of the, a couple of other challenges, but one of them made headlines because of the release of the Vatican report on sex abuse among the clergy and what the church did or, or didn't do was uh, that was eye-opening. In recent years, it seems though that this this archdiocese has taken a stronger stance on such allegations. So, and am I viewing that correctly?
1: Yes, uh, really. Back uh, back in. Uh, uh, the time of Cardinal Bernardine, he he put together a program for safe environment, not only training but also cooperating with uh, local law enforcement that has served as the model for uh, this this country and and in fact the world. Uh, that also we made a decision, uh, uh, the archdiocese did under Cardinal George uh, in 2002 to uh, report every allegation, even if it's unproven, to the to law enforcement, which we've done. And we we continue to do that. We believe that that has to happen. Uh, and then let law enforcement investigate it, and uh, then we can make a decision on what we're going to do. Uh, but the, the important thing that we also do is we have a very aggressive outreach to victims. Uh, we have a victim's assistance office that's dedicated totally to bring about healing uh, to families as well as those who have been victimized by, by uh, sexual abuse uh, as minors and, and, and other times as vulnerable adults. Uh, so all of those components are very, uh, very important. And we keep learning. Uh, this is uh, something we cannot give up on. Uh, and we need to make sure that uh, we persist in, in uh, making uh, victims and protecting children the priority.
0: How much are you seeing the trust returning? I mean, there are segments who who did not have that feeling before. Do you see that it's changing now?
1: Well, I would say that uh, I'm going to leave it up to people to uh, comment on uh, their level of trust uh, in what we're doing. Um, I, I am pleased as, I, and I do the and before the pandemic, I did a number of uh, uh, town hall meetings just to answer questions and so on. It is, it is striking to me though, that a lot of people don't know what we have done and are doing in, in regard to uh, child protection. And so we can't let up in, in getting that message out. Uh, but uh, hopefully that uh, it, as long as we continue to make this a priority and let people know it's a priority uh, that I believe people will, uh, uh, will uh, we will gain their trust again Uh, because it is important that people do trust us and uh, but I I think people should know that uh, for uh, 20 years now we have reported every case of uh, any accusation against uh, a member of clergy uh, to law enforcement and so uh, that I think uh, should let people know that we've decided that we cannot be hiding things or covering up things Uh, that's not that's not uh uh, that's a non-starter for us.
0: Back on the theme of, of being a welcoming church, um, you've all, there's also been more attention, uh, from the church on gay and lesbian Catholics. Uh, how does that dialogue proceeding, uh, how's that going? And is there pushback from some more, for lack of a better term, traditional church members?
1: Well, I, I would say for the most part, um, uh, the dialogues that we've had, and I visit on occasion with gay and lesbian people uh, just to know more about their life and their own faith journey. Uh, I think that it's important uh, for us to be uh, respectful of everybody uh, and, and to accompany them, to draw near as the Holy Father said. I, I, would, I would make this uh, remark too. I think that's important for us to keep in mind. Um, What I I come away from in those discussions is something that I think that our young people today come away from in their discussions with their peers who are gay and lesbian. And that is, um, uh, there is an integrity and honesty to to these folks as a a struggle with uh, ways in which they can uh, live out their lives in a healthy and productive way. Um, And and I think that uh, that is something that I have learned in my discussions. there's, there's a real honesty in terms of uh, wanting to, to be happy with their lives and healthy uh, going forward, but also holy. Uh, and, and that, I think, uh, is something we should never, uh, ever lose sight of. Uh, that's what uh, encourages me to carry on discussions and ways in which we minister to people of all backgrounds.
0: Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but I, and I want to ask you, how much does the leadership style of Pope Francis figure into um, furthering your work? I mean, he seems more willing to roll up his sleeves and reach into the real world than uh, some uh, some previous popes uh, I've seen.
1: Well, he is. He's uh, he's uh, he keeps telling uh, bishops and priests don't be afraid to get your uh, your shoes muddy and walking the streets and being with people. Uh, that has really encouraged me. I. Uh, I also find that uh, what's, so, what's so very captivating about him is that uh, uh, he, he is such a real person. He, he doesn't look at the world from 30,000 feet up, but uh, he gets, he's ready, ready to get his hands dirty uh, to be with folks. I noticed the other day, uh, he was out uh, for the feast day of on the Immaculate Conception and he brought a bag of little gifts that he gave to the soldiers and police who were guarding him uh, before he went back into uh, his residence. He got out of the car and shook each one of their hands and gave, gave them a gift uh, for Christmas. Uh, that, that kind of individual attention, uh, personal attention uh, is something that I think is his trademark. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we are just about out of time, but uh, Cardinal uh, Cupich, I I wanna thank you for uh, for taking the time to uh, to spend with me. It's been a real honor to talk to you. Thanks, Greg. Uh, and uh, for those who are listening, uh, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There should be a link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue. I hope you'll be listening until then. I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM.